podcast with me phil and me paul and on this week's show we'll be reviewing the latest episode in this series of doctor who and of course that is flatline but first as usual let's have some news now fortunately yet again this year we kick off with some some sort of sad news don't we yes it's we thought we'd sort of uh left that behind but now unfortunately uh <laughs> It's sort of uh, it snuck up on us again. Uh, director Michael Hayes, um, who directed the Andros Atara, Armageddon Factor, and the City of Death, uh, passed away at the age of eighty-five. Uh, obviously, City of Death is, you know, highly regarded amongst uh, Who fandom, isn't it? Yes, highly, uh, yeah. highly regarded, and it is a, it's, it's a good story, and um, yeah, it, it's such a shame. But I mean, eighty-five, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good age, uh, but. It says he was initially reluctant to uh, direct anything for Doctor Who, wasn't he? Yes, said it was a children's show with dodgy effects. Hmm. Um, what gave you that idea? Oh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, considering he, he didn't really do much to address that issue within the androids of Tara with the Taran Wood Beast, did he? So <laughs> no. <laughs> I suspect, yeah, he didn't really have much control. Probably why he was reluctant, because he knew he'd have not so much control over the... The standard of the dodgy effects. No, no, indeed not, indeed not. So, um, but apparently it was his um, friend Graham McDonald who was head of serials at the time. Um, I sort of like convinced him to sort of to do it, and he also became friends with Tom Baker as well. So, which uh, I think sort of uh, steadied his ship a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's widely widely regarded for sort of delivering one of the sort of the all time classics of Doctor Who, and and it, it's. You know, it's one of the first times it also had a bit of uh, overseas location filming as well. So, which it was, it was a first, wasn't it? I mean, that may well have been something that would have attracted him, I think, more than what he had to do in the previous two. Perhaps that may be why he came back and did a third. Maybe, maybe, because it was like the following the following year, wasn't it, when he came out yeah. to do that? Uh, but he's also contributed to some other sort of, I suppose you could say, classics of. Um, sort of seventies television or, or BBC television, anyway, with Zed Cars, the Needing Line, when the boat comes in, and all creatures great and small, which I must admit, all creatures great and small was sort of required viewing in my house in the seventies. No dodgy effects in that. No dodgy effects in that. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, there no, there no animatronic cows backsides used there. Was Soap it? your arm up and get on with. <laughs> I've heard that many a time, but. <laughs> Sure, that wasn't when the boat comes in. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, now unfortunately, um, <laughs> so, sorry, it's probably not a good time to joke, really, is it? But no, that that, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> now, unfortunately, next up, um, unfortunately, another sort of um, someone connected doctor has passed away. Actor Barry Summerford has died at the age of seventy-one. Now, he's probably not known. To many people, the name Barry Summerford, but he appeared in at least twenty-four episodes of Doctor Who. Um, he played a sort of wider range of uh, sort of characters, mostly guards and soldiers, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it says over an eight-year period. Um, but uh, I mean, crikey, that's that's 
some going to be keeping asked back to do that. So, but he's also in uh, Blake Seven, Doom Watch, uh, Zed Cars, and he also appears a Stormtrooper in Star Wars as well. Wow, <laughs> that's some CV, isn't it? It's not bad, is it? Eh? You sit there and point yourself out to people. No, that was me. That was me. That was me. Mind you, I could point at myself and say I was a Stormtrooper in Star Wars. I was only seven at the time, but. <laughs> But anyone can point themselves out as a stormtrooper. But yeah, I mean that is some that is some um, some CV he's got. And uh, but he played he played a Vogon in Revenge of the Cybermen, a Shreve in the Rybos Operation, and a Foster in the Keeper of Traken. Probably is what he, he would sort of had his face shown in, really, as you could say. Yeah. But uh, yes. But what what a what a what a thing! Eight years of playing different guards and soldiers. Crikey, he was like your go-to man, I suppose you could say. Yeah. You need a guard. You need a guard. He was your man. He was your man. But uh, yes, so uh, it's just sort of sad that we have to sort of have to kick off another uh, another podcast with uh, you know some more some more people passing away. It's a shame. Yeah, as they say, only two things certain: taxes and death. Yes, indeed. Oh dear, should we try and cheer things up a little bit? Yes, <laughs> we've got some news on taxes. <laughs> no. Overnight view figures. figures. It's stats. Oh, Here better. we go. Here we go. Now, actually, this isn't quite so good news. Actually, the overnight view figures for Flatline were four point five five million, which is yeah. the lowest it's been actually, isn't it? Which, considering it comes on the back of one that has been highly, highly regarded. Yes, indeed. It's, now, this also—I was going to say—it also means it slips down uh, the ratings slightly. This was—it um, was fourth for the day. It was behind pointless celebrities. Which managed four point nine four million views. That'll please Tony. Yeah, because he loves pointless, doesn't he? So <laughs> it's, it's yeah, that's interesting as to why that's. I mean, I think pointless has gone up, hasn't it? Mm. It's actually one of the. I mean, because the X Factor stayed the same, sort of roughly where it was, seven point seven one. Yeah. So was this just what was, what were people doing? <laughs> There's people that usually watch telly that are out by the well, looks it, of it. Well, it was or has been rather good weather this weekend in the UK, hasn't it? And especially in the London area, there hasn't been a lot of rain. Yesterday was quite a. It was like twenty degrees, wasn't it? Which for yeah. middle of October is uh, quite extraordinary. The last hurrah, maybe. Yes, so. maybe, maybe. Judging what's what's to come this week, but uh, yeah, um, and also strictly um, went up in viewing figures to nine point three. That's what I mean. It, it, really it's well, point, so, pointless hmm. and strictly went up, though. So the idea that, oh, because it was a nice day, people weren't watching the telly seems a bit... Hmm. Hmm. don't know. It's very weird. It's a, it's a weird drop-off. It really is. And as you say, especially coming off the back of a highly regarded episode last week. Yeah. I understand if it had been a really bad episode last year, last yeah. week, last year, honestly, then last week. <laughs> um, people have got long memories. They haven't, they? <laughs> <laughs> this time last year. Well, <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, you'd have thought maybe there'd have been a drop-off. People thought, oh, you know, I've had enough of this now. Maybe. Switching it off. But no, we had a good episode last week. Mm. Well, talking of last week's episode, Mummy on the Orient Express, its final consolidated ratings were 7.11 million. Yes. Or 7.11 to give it its proper title. I don't know what I said 114, (laughs) but... I was trying to pad it out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's a slow news week. We're now going to give stuff out. (laughs) Yeah, 7.11 million viewers, uh, which is is well up, isn't it, I think, on the the final consolidation. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously word of mouth then with people actually then going out and saying, oh, everyone's saying that's a really good episode this week. I might have to go and 
catch that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I'm I'm sort of quite pleased that it did get because it, it deserved that that yeah. rating because it was an utterly fantastic episode. It really was. It really was. Now, of course, that leads us on to the audience appreciation index for Mummy on the on the Orient Express. That is a bloody mouthful, that, isn't it? Um, and that got a score of eighty five, which is the highest score yet this series, isn't it? It is, and deservedly so. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, obviously, it, it's given a few, <laughs> a few of the usual um, sort of bit, a bit more details. It has done it in previous uh, previous weeks, and of course, it, again, it was it scored slightly higher with women is, rather than men. That is exactly that is exactly the same quote as last week. It is. Um, it's so not, I don't know whether they just didn't bother. <laughs> maybe this not. week. Well, thought, you know what? I don't think this is this is worth us doing this one. Just what did they say last week? Yeah. <laughs> so they've recycled a quote that says they felt it was fresh and new. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's repeat the refresh and new quote. I've got flashbacks to the love boat again. Love, exciting and new. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yes, and it scored highest within the 16 to 34 age group. Yeah. Was that the same as last that time? That was the same, same yeah. Same as last time? Uh, yes, I think it just yeah. regurgitated it, obviously. I think they have, yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, now, uh, in The Forest of the Night, next week's episode, um, it, again, it's got a slightly different transmission time. It is 8.20pm. Oh, that's five good. Five minutes so, so, It's been hard for me staying up for the extra five minutes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, maybe the, uh, the later... Um, Sort of like you know for uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, maybe the later t- start time for that will, will, does boost the viewing figures because obviously the earlier it's getting, the uh, the less it less it is, which is weird. It's weird, yeah, very weird, very weird. But eight twenty, so obviously so now someone's been knocked out of Strictly, you can knock an extra five minutes off the off the running time. Hurrah! Because it's it's getting incredibly boring watching Strictly. It really is. Even the sequins don't do it for me anymore. I'm sorry. It's just it's just not the same. <laughs> now, um, moving away from stats and transmission times, a little bit of other other news now. Um, on Tuesday, the 11th of November, the Royal Television Society is holding an event called Doctor Who: Anatomy of a Hit. And basically, it's uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, not as the oh, not as yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> they might have to retitle that by the time it happens. <laughs> Yes, now this is, um, I suppose you could say, it's like a lecture, isn't it? Yes. Really, and it is uh, basically hosted by Stephen Moffat, uh, producer Nicky Wilson, and uh, uh, BBC Drama Contractment Commissioner Ben Stevenson. Now, I don't know if this is is like a, um, well, like a sort of Q&A sort of thing, because it does say it is chaired by journalist, broadcaster, and Doctor Who fan Boyd Hilton, who I thought writes for Heat magazine, doesn't he? <laughs> I wouldn't know that. I think sure he does. I think, so, um, yeah, now we've actually got tickets to this, haven't we? Yes, we for sh- Heat magazine. Yeah, now <laughs> I thought I thought the Royal Television Society, it would be a highbrow affair, but no, Boyd Hilton's hosting it. So, <laughs> so I expect so <laughs> just sort of um, showbiz tittle tattle. Yes. Hmm, I'm a bit concerned now, Paul. <laughs> Can I get my money back? I'm will sure... we get to do a word search during the evening? Maybe we will. I'm sure, Paul, it will be a night to remember. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so actually now we only, we're recording um, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the Sunday evening as usual. And yeah. um, 
I just saw the the link <coughs> where I was going through uh, for the uh, the news for for our recording tonight, and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll just see if there's any tickets left, and there is. I couldn't believe it. Now, by the time this goes on the Wednesday, it might have sold out. But um, I would say, chance your arm, because this has been on... When I got the tickets today, it would have been on sale best part of a week, couldn't it? Um, yeah, well, it's been on... Yeah, a while, yeah. Yeah. So, so, surprisingly, these things you'd think would sell out. Yes. But it looks like there may still be tickets available, folks. There may still yeah. be tickets. So, I mean, you never know. Chance your arm. Chance your arm. Now, uh, in... They like, actually, they like the phrase must see, don't they, in the, the write-up to this. I think Board Hilton might have written that. But... <laughs> it does, it. <laughs> it does sound a bit like that, doesn't it? It's a must-see Saturday night fan viewing. viewing. This is a must-see event. Oh, dear. Is it going to take uh, questions from the audience? Because there's bound to be the Moffat haters there all going about, oh, do you think this is really family viewing? One of the scariest things ever. And, oh, God. I can hear it now. I'm going to boo them out of the room. <laughs> As I'm manhandled by security out of, out of the Royal Television Society. <laughs> right I'm now, page of eat my duck too. That's a bit <laughs> it's anger. I can give a sad face in the front of Heat magazine, <laughs> can't? <I? laughs> right now, um, on to awards news. Um, an adventure in space and time has been nominated for an Emmy. Wow! Yes. yes. Uh, that is well. Too th- right, actually. <laughs> yes, too right, indeed. Yes, this is very, very well deserved. Um, it has been nominated in the International Emmy Award category, I think it is. So, uh, or is that just an, a completely different event? I've got no idea. Is this separate to the Emmys, the International uh, Emmys? I don't know. I've, yeah, I've got no idea actually. To be honest, no. Yeah, I can't really see in, in this actual. Um, I've got the link here, and I can't actually see. What it's being nominated for? Is it in the no. TV movie miniseries? Miniseries, is it? Oh, right. Okay, okay. Because there's um, something called Alexander. Oh, I've, I've seen it now. Alexander and other heroes from Global TV, Globo, not Global, Globo TV Brazil. And you've got Adventure in Space and Time, BBC Wales, BBC America, United Kingdom, Radio, TV Man Union. <laughs> for, for, okay, for <laughs> for any. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Well, I don't know why I find that so funny. I'm, I'm dreadfully sorry. Uh, for NHK in association with NHK Enterprises <laughs> Incorporated Japan. And um, now this one, I'm not even going to bother. This is a German... Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. Do you want to give it a go? No, not really. No. Unsia Muta, Unsia Vata. I've no idea what that is. That's by Teamworks Television and Film GmbH ZDF Incorporated with Beta Film and ZDF Enterprises Germany. That's a mouthful. Yes, I, I just want to announce TV Man Union now. <laughs> that's another kind of program altogether. Us. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Now, um, shall we quickly move away from this, Paul, before we get into trouble? <laughs> yeah, can we get into trouble? <laughs> We, I like the we. It's, it's the real we. <laughs> yes, because now we're going to go to Omega's Tech Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Now, we've only got one item of tap for you this week, uh, which you very kindly sourced for us, Paul, didn't you? Yes. And uh, would you like to um, announce it to everybody? Because it's actually, we don't know how long this has actually been on sale for, but this is new to us, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, there seems to have been a non... A non well, this is a TARDIS light-up headband. And there seems to have been a non-light-up headband that's been available for a bit, but this one does seem to have come with batteries. 
<laughs> well, here we are. There you go. <laughs> but it does say here you have to make your own warp warp noise. Yes. Oh, I'm not buying it then. I don't want it. <laughs> There's nothing more embarrassing than wearing a light up Tali's head. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> make the noise. Your own noise. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well just be carrying a light bulb, won't you? <laughs> now, it, it, it does seem to me that, um, whether, well, the way you have to wear this thing, it's such a jaunty angle. Because the, 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 the bulb, or the, or the lamp, we want to call it, isn't in the middle of the headband. It's off to one no. side. Yeah. So you look at slightly rakish wearing it, actually, I think you'll find. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That, that's exactly the look you're going to get. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, the headband is six inches in diameter, and um, the light is three inches tall, and it weighs two ounces. Now, this is from um, thinkgeek.com. Uh, so, obviously, this is in um, in dollars, and it's $15.99. And it's in stock. It's in stock. It's Good. in stock now. So, we don't actually know how long this has actually sort of been out for. So, but say this is new to us. Right, the fact the blue headband has a smooth underside—that sort of you'd think would be a given, wouldn't you? <laughs> the underside is full of nails. Nail it, but that, so, the end, <laughs> so it doesn't slip off your head. <laughs> oh dear, I think we're back to TV man unit again, because at the end it says warning: small parts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't leave this alone. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> uh, yes. Now, um, that's it for for chat. That's it for the news. There's, there's a very very short trip. To <laughs> we had nothing else to I give just, you. I just actually listened read read a bit more on this. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Go on then. Sorry, we're just going. Since it lights up blue white of TARDIS lamp instead of red, that must signal you're in search of the good doctor. As opposed to what? <laughs> Yeah, the, doc- the doctor that sits in the window of his TARDIS. <laughs> Hello, dearie. You fancy a bit? <laughs> I've only got a small part. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Would you like to see <laughs> my sonic <laughs> screwdriver? <laughs> it lights up at the end. <laughs> Bring your own why, batteries. Why somebody really suddenly thought, oh, you know, no, it should be, it could be red instead. Hmm, no, don't know. Anyway, sorry about that. Oh. Yeah, why? Well, I don't understand that quote. I don't understand I don't it. Red. I, I don't understand it. That's just, um, but that's bizarre. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Oh, oh hang on a minute. I've read back through the thing now. Oh, go on, go on. So you can tell we're prepared for this, aren't you? So. We were curious what lights on top of the public call boxes the TARDIS design was based on were there for. Apparently, the original lit up red to indicate a policeman assigned to the area that his assistance was requested. Oh. I didn't know that. Me neither. It says they could be lit up by a member of the public or remotely by the station. Yes. Hmm. Oh, well, we... So we might have to check that fact before I purchase this, actually. I think I... so, actually, yeah. But they do, you see, the Who's He podcast, entertaining and educational. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you believe that, though, bollocks, you believe anything, <laughs> really. But... <laughs> right then, folks, uh, is that it now? That's it, yes. Oh, we're sorry. done with this, we're done with man unions and red lights and stuff like that. So, anyway, folks, that's it for the news. So, coming up next is our review of Flatline. And I'll repeat myself now so for another week, then. That was the news. Right then, everybody, it's time to kick off our review of Flatline. 
something nearby is leeching all the external dimensions. Aliens. Possibly. Oh, well, who am I kidding? Probably. Whatever they are, they're experimenting. They're testing. They're, they are dissecting. Trying to understand us. Trying to understand three dimensions. Life support failing. And it's my turn to kick this off this week, isn't it? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, I think this episode is the trippiest episode of Doctor Who we've had since the web planet, actually. This was some weird stuff going on, like uh, the Doctor dragging the TARDIS, a miniature TARDIS along the floor um, with his hand. It was like, you know, as Clara said, do the thing on it, uh, do the Adams family. And um, do you know what? I bloody love this. Yeah? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was uh, fantastically creepy. I know people have already sort of slagged it off as saying that, you know, that they don't like the Dr. Clara um, thing going on here, but I thought it was great. This was the Dr. Light episode, even though you wouldn't know it, um, of the series. What we forgot to mention last week, that last uh, the moment on the Orient Express was the Clara Light episode of the series. Again, not that you would know it. No, um, it's just really the fact of taking... They both sort of picked up other companions, didn't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, but again, I love this. I thought it was fantastically creepy. I love the idea of the, the you know, the 2D monsters. Uh, yeah, I just loved it. I just really loved it. I thought that the opening as well was fantastic. Um, I, talk, I, mean, I think this is the, probably the one of the most unsettling episodes we've had so far. Um, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, it, it did have some quite creepy ideas in it it did it did and yeah i just loved it i just loved it um but you you've been unusually quiet paul what what did you think of it yeah i i wasn't overly sure i mean i did i like it yeah i think now it's it's but you sort of it's one of those ones where you're sort of watching and thinking i'm not totally drawn on it and i don't know why absolutely don't know why okay Okay. No, not not to the heights of last week. Whether it is just because of the, to me, the heights of last week, I don't know. That's what I'm. I don't. I'm not sure about. Mm. But there's nothing in it that I didn't particularly I, dis, uh, particularly disliked or anything. And there are some great bits in it that I like. So I'm not sure why I'm slightly ambivalent to it. Okay. Okay. Well, should we? Uh, should we, as usual? Should we, should we try and kick off with the stuff we didn't like? Now, see, you seem to be taking the lead on this one, Paul. Do you want to, do you want to start this <laughs> Well, this is the point. I've just said that there's nothing really that I dislike in it, to be honest. Um, it's just, yeah. I, I, the only thing that I can think of is in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is a far superior fear her, just on the basis of people becoming drawings. Yeah, in, in a way, yeah, yeah. Um... Which is, which is, which is obviously not. But there's just that something in my head that's... Well, I think coming off the back of last week, because we said, well, I said rather, that um, I thought this was... The moment on the Orient Express was Voyage of the Damned done properly. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you could say this is Fear Her done properly in, in, a, in a strange way. With the, with, yeah. the, with the Doctor being incapacitated for most of the story, and it was down to his companion to, to you know, the, to save so, the day, sort of. Save the day, Yeah. Yeah. And it, it did. There were slight bits in that that I just sort of. I don't know what I can't get out of my head. And then there's a point that I just cannot like anything that's attached to fear her. I don't. Know. <laughs> um, I dare anyone to do that, actually. <laughs> so, so that's the only thing I can put down this down to. And no, this is this is not even that story. So 
it's yeah, it's it's an odd one as to what I can't work it out at the moment. Um, okay, well, I'd say the one bit I didn't like in this, um, I know it had it had a point, but the, the only bit I didn't really like, and I thought it didn't really suit what was happening at the time, was Clara's conversation with Danny when, as we now, as the Doctor labelled them at the end, the boneless were creeping around the walls trying to get to them. Yeah. Uh, and that really didn't work at all. That that was the only bit I thought didn't work. Yeah, you just you just wouldn't answer that call. I'm sorry, no. If you and and then and then lie. Yes. Despite all what was going on around yeah. them, around her. Yeah. Sorry, uh, with uh, Rigsy shouting out and then the, them smashing through the window and yeah, it, 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 that bit just really didn't work for me. No. But, but then it's ridiculous because I'm going to say, yeah, the doctor pulled pulling the TARDIS along, that that did work. Uh, I just thought um, it, it just looked, it yeah. just looked, it was so there were point, bits in this that were so bizarre. Man, the, really. the idea um, in this that I mean, it's a good idea. I quite like the fact that yes, she's going to be. It's obvious now that she's lying to Danny that she's still seeing the Doctor. Mm. Um, was pretty much obvious actually from the um, a the conversation at the end of the last episode and b the. Her try- getting out, trying to get out at the start. Yeah, needing to go back to exactly the same time, taking all her stuff with her, etc. Yeah, saying, "Oh, he's become possessive about me leaving other stuff, but he's fine with me seeing." Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, to which, actually, then the doctor has to say, "I stopped listening a while ago," because you obviously want the the reveal of him realizing he's being lied to later. Exactly, and actually, the one thing that I was say I didn't like the whole scene with the phone call, but I did like the payoff. To that, I did like the doctor's solution. Odd oh, solution, sorry. He's 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 sort of answer to that. Yeah, uh, I did like the way that was done. Uh, there was no big argument or anything like that. He just he just said, "Oh, so now you're lying to me." Yeah, like that. He, he just she just got caught out, and the way Clara reacted to that as well. It, she it was almost like a how can I put it? It's like a teenager sulking. Yeah, it's oh, I've been caught. You know, yeah. it was it was that it was like resignation, and I thought Jenna Coleman played that rather well as well because that could have been resulted in another sort of teenager style hissy fit, which I had sort of compared to her um, getting angry at the Doctor at in uh, Kill the Moon. Yeah, you know, so um, it is. Uh, doctor, I mean, I, so. I can understand that they needed to do that. To, I just realised my to... my sentence back then didn't make any sense at all. So it got angry at the Doctor, I should say, not at the with with the Doctor at. <laughs> That made no sense whatsoever. So I do apologise, everybody. It's been a long weekend. It's our competition now. We're now going to throw words at you and you can arrange them into the (laughs) sentence you want. (laughs) It's the review that makes everyone happy. You can make this into into a coherent podcast, should you wish. (laughs) Editing tools. (laughs) I think for now, we'll just chuck out random words that the listeners make, make up their own podcast. No one's done it before, Paul. <laughs> we got. We, oh, that's it. We'll patent that. That's it. We're done. Uh, yeah, we co- co- we... Copyright Who's He podcast. We can just do ten minute podcasts of just random words, and people can fill in the blanks themselves. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Who's copyright podcast, please? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. What were we saying? Yeah, what no, we I, can, yeah. I can see that the, the the telephone conversation to Danny was was necessary for the doctor to find out that yes, yeah, she's lying. Mm. And and that it just yeah as you say that was probably not the scene it needed to be in. No, it to to have been realistic it needed to be in perhaps when there was 
um, even stuck in the warehouse. That would have been the better place to have done it. You know, actually. that would have been that 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 it could have worked there. Yeah, as yeah. you say, yeah, it just wasn't. You just wouldn't a say that. And then, yeah, and then, I don't know, and then later, I don't know what, what she was hoping that he'd he'd feel that that was there because she's out of breath. There's a sound of something creaking, and there's another man's voice. Yes. So I don't know exactly at what point she thought that was actually better to lie. Now at the end, when she could have talked to Danny, she rejected the call. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I think it would have been better to have done the whole. It re- rejected that first call and then taken the second call and said, "Sorry, I couldn't talk to you earlier." Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, it was there was things like um, things like that didn't make a lot of sense really in, in that. But I suppose they were just trying to bring the whole Clara's line to the Doctor out, really. And now I, I suppose Danny now realizes that, that he's he's been lied to as well. Well, to a certain extent, I think he's yeah he's going to be suspicious now, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. But uh, I must say, there was one weird thing about his reaction to what was going on. He just said, "Oh, was it said? Oh, are you in danger? Are you safe? Or something like that?" It's, it's almost as if he actually knew what was happening. Yeah. which makes me think there is something else. There is something else going on here with the whole. Or, or just the fact that he rings up. She sounds as if she's doing something energetic. Um, she's not there. She's being cagey about what she's actually doing. Naturally, he's now thinking, "Yeah, I know where you are." Yeah. So the next question is, are you safe? Yeah. yeah at so- least, at least that was his reaction. At least that was the good part about his reaction was the fact that he was, he's, he's wasn't. Oh well, if you're going to go off and do this, then I want nothing with you. He, he did actually care that even if he now suspects she's going out there, that his first thought was, are you safe? Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think there's something. I think he sort of kind of suspects, but we obviously must know. I'll judge it by next week's uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the uh, preview trailer at the end. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously he's gonna know, isn't he? But that's fine. Turns out, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sort of moving off from sort of Dan, the sort of Danny and Clara. As I say, I think that's the only bit that didn't sort of really work for me. Um, I, I liked a lot of the uh, the practical effects in this one. They, they sort of use some sort of cheap ways to to do the shrinking TARDIS and there's a lot of in-camera effects as well which I thought was was nice to see again um, I like, so like, like the bit where um, Clara shows Rigsy the Doctor for that she puts the little TARDIS on the shelf you can obviously tell it's Capaldi standing the other side of the wall and they've just done like a depth of field um, shot yeah. on it but I thought it, it was quite effective really and I like the, the you know the whole thing with his face in the doors of the TARDIS, I like the sort of the hand cut through the handbag. Again, it was it was it was just good in camera effects there. I know that the face in the TARDIS wasn't, but um, when she was holding it, but I thought you know the you know the sledgehammer coming out of the handbag, the sledgehammer, and, yeah, yeah, out. yeah. she was just pulling it out, yeah. So, <laughs> it's quite, yeah, I did quite like that. Yeah, it was just like because he's looking at her like just <laughs> yeah, she's just getting a sledgehammer that's too big for that bag out of the bag, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I just, I just, I just love the fact, I just love the sheer audacity of this, actually, because I'm, I'm sorry, this is the weirdest episode of Doctor Who I, I've watched in a long time, and like I said since the Web Planet, the Web Planet is this one big trip, because it, all, everything's sort of there's a lot of um, weird sort of camera effects to, to show they're on an alien planet, and I think, and it's so again, the Web Planet is so overly ambitious, uh, you know, for a whole insect insect planet, but. Um, and I think this is a really ambitious story, and I think it, I think it was fantastically done. 
I really do. Yeah. I think it was great. I just loved it. Um, as I said, the opening scene was incredibly disturbing with you know the guy's face and sort of the, the scream as well as the camera sort of pans around to show you his sort of head and shoulders. And then later on you see what you think is a desert mural. Is now it's actually a dissection of his skin. Yeah. Blown up. And then you get the... Sort of picked that up straight away. But yeah, what was the really one was the, was the nervous system. Was... Yeah, of the P- yeah, you see what happens to the, with the PC, uh, PC forest is dragged into the floor and she becomes 2D. And as you say, yeah. then so you see if there is a nervous system on the wall. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah that was... Yeah, decide, dissected. How yeah. 3D people work. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, and I think when you do see, as, as, as Dr. Dublin, the boneless come out of the floor, and there was sort of like, it was almost like a, a, a zombie attack, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Guys sort of like lurching about. But it put me in mind of Silent Hill. Um, now, I, you're not really a gamer, are you? There's the the no. first Silent Hill game. Again, that is incredibly, uh, it's an old PS1 title, but it, it's a, I found it's been an incredibly disturbing game to play. A very very good like horror survival game, and the way a lot of the sort of the, when you're being chased, they sort of sort of it was almost like a broken way of move movement. The way they chased after, and this was exactly the same as well. And you could see there were okay, they were CG driven, but you could tell that okay, yes, you could tell they were CG, but they weren't meant to look real, were they? They were sort of like no. a, an interpretation of a human, wasn't it? Yeah, they're those creatures that were still trying to work out how a 3D person moved. Yeah. And looked. And yeah, wasn't and, quite and I, sure. I thought it was, the way it was done was fantastic. And the way it was sort of in, in the tunnel, at the end when they sort of coming up, you saw like shapes at the end of the tunnel and you didn't quite figure out what they were. And I, I, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And you it. see them actually starting to become 3D when they start rising up in the yeah. tunnel once the train's gone up. Actually, that reminded me. That bit reminded me of Hellraiser. Actually, with um, up with Frank coming out of the floorboards. Have you, have you ever seen Hellraiser? No. Ah, no. So I thought you were going to surprise me again, Paul. <laughs> no. So you've actually seen Hellraiser, but you, you drew a, you drew a line at Hellraiser. But... <laughs> I, I, I watched two films and drew a line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find the other one. I've seen sometime. <laughs> Crack. We could be here for the rest of our lives until <laughs> we get to that one. Blimey. <laughs> In episode two thousand of the Hoosie podcast, <laughs> uh, what what would it be? It's got to be an Ealing film, surely. <laughs> Probably would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just found it to be incredibly effective and fr- um, um, incredibly creepy. I, I I loved it. I really loved it. But what do you think of Clara being the Doctor? Technically, I mean, it's good because w- where we're going now with this is obviously after Clara's anger at him. And for how he acted, or yeah. whatever. We've now had last week's episode where she realizes that yeah, there are there are sometimes when there are no good decisions to make. Yeah, and this week she's she's starting to realize that actually sometimes you have to lie to people. The whole thing about you lie to somebody to give them hope because when people hope they move quicker. Yeah, when they when they they feel there's no no hope, then they just get caught. They yeah, they, people die. Caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you sort of she's suddenly realizing there that oh, this is yeah, everything that I've rallied against him in the well, last well, so few, what, few it, months has been. Yeah. Un- I can actually now see why he's doing it. Well, that's what the doctor says. He says, "Oh, that, well, that's what I sound like." Yeah. Or now I know what I sound like, or something like that. So yeah, it was she really did sort of become 
you know, sort of making those sort of life or death decisions, and not everybody makes it. Yeah. Uh, but I did like the thing with the when they entered the like the uh, the, the warehouse, what we want to call it. And the doctor said, "You know, in any any moment now, there's someone trying to emerge as the as the leader, and, to, and, and you know, the dominant one will act as the leader. So you've got to get there first. And she said, "I'm already on it." And the way it was sort of the Fenton character, uh, Christopher Fairbank, he basically, he more or less saying, "Who put you in charge?" Sort of thing. I'm not, I'm not doing what you saying. And she just said, "Oh, do you want me to, spe- oh, to, to tell you why?" And she said, "I'm chance that oh, I'm the only person who's going to keep you alive." Yeah. And the, and the doctor was saying, oh, he sort of gave a praise for that as well, didn't he? So, yeah. um, and it was a doctorish sort of thing to say. And I'm sort of paraphrasing a, a lot here because um, I must admit I've only managed to watch this once properly because I watched it last night. Um, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, again, I tweeted uh, that uh, my wife had the washing machine going again. It's the third week running now, and I could hardly hear anything. <laughs> so this afternoon, I I, um, I watched it with my son, um, who. Uh, who actually he's he's 21 months old, but he loved it. He sat there absolutely transfixed. And he was pointing at the television and, and giggling at certain things. He jumped at certain things, and it was he he, he was sort of totally entranced by it. To be honest, he's now going to have nightmares for the next three <laughs> <months>. <laughs> He's shivering in the corner. <laughs> Bad parent. No, he loved it. He he, he loved it. He, he was he was getting really excited by it, and <laughs> next time we just have to put him in the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it, it was good. So I was actually about to watch it properly today, anyway. So um, you know, he he wasn't you know, my son wasn't making any, wasn't fidgeting or anything. He just sat there, just watched it with me. He was sitting on my lap, and, and, and he loved every moment. So um, I think I've got a little pal there for watching Doctor Who. So. <laughs> You're hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping, but uh, well, it's certainly not Joe. My wife, blimey, she she totally disinterested in it. So. But um, anyway, she's got cleaning to do. <laughs> she's got the ironing to do now after doing that washing. Can't have her watching the telly. Not until she's done her cleaning. Oh, it's a good job she just listens to our podcast. I'll be in so much trouble for saying that. <laughs> rather, you would be rather. <laughs> Do I care? Yes, actually. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, we're certainly alienating a lot of our audience this week, aren't we? <laughs> and family and friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I liked what they were, they were doing this. And as this was the, you know, the, the, the Doctor Light episode, what else were they going to do? Yeah. Really? I know sort of people complaining. This sort of, I know, I've even seen tweets come out sort of, Oh, that you can't compare this to the Doctor Donna. Oh, this isn't the same. I thought well, that's not what they're insinuating here at all. No, this is something different. It's basically that Clara was being the Doctor for the day. Um, yeah, you I mean, know, what, uh, what he's trying to do is he's trying to prepare her to be his companion and travel with him. Yeah, in the fact of you know, if he says about lying, that's good. That's a good survival skill. Mm. And it's only then, right at the end, well, at the end. of them two speaking, that you actually sort of see him thinking to himself, actually, I might this might not be the thing I should be doing. There was something, Suddenly, yeah, I can't remember what the exact line was, but I remember what he, what Clara said to him. What's that about? Yeah, she, she's saying, saying, Tell me I was a good doctor, and he was good, excellent good. As, the good, as, the, as the doctor, but good doesn't come into it. Yeah, was it good or goodness doesn't come into it? Or something, yeah, I can't remember what it was now, but but just the sort of the look on Clara's face then, 
as if to say, ah, oh, right, okay. And, and, and yeah. you realise with him, I think, as well, as it's going along, that perhaps actually this isn't necessarily where he should be taking somebody mm. in Maybe terms not. of their abilities. You know, you've sort of had the other previous companions, it's been to stretch them and, you know, take re- let them reach their potential, so to speak. Yeah. But is, is the potential you want Clara to, to reach as being as... Um, careworn and as he is. Mm. Yeah, I think he sort of he, he needs someone to keep him in check on that front with the with the, the cold yeah. attached nature. And I, I don't think what the well, yeah, what he doesn't want is Clara is coming Clara becoming a exactly mirror the same. of him. Yeah, and there's yeah. N- neither of them are doing that job. However, this does lead up to um, amongst. <laughs> so before we talk anything else, but this does lead up to the first in a, a long time an appearance of Missy. Yes. Um, oh, she says, Clara, my Clara, I've chosen well. I wonder what that means. Which tends to suggest that she is the one that gave the phone number. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does seem to suggest to that. As in the fact that she's saying, uh, you know, she was the one that's obviously put Clara in touch with the Doctor. Yes. Interesting. I'm, I'm still at a complete loss on who she is, and I'm, I'm, I like that. I like the fact I have no clue who she is, and, I, and if I have figured it out yet, I'll be disappointed because at the moment it's sort of just on base of some sort of quip I might have said a few weeks ago or something, but I'm genuinely um, sort of not confused, but uh, sort of totally in the dark about this character. Yeah. I think it's great. And, and, and it's it's a story arc that we actually are enjoying having complained about previous ones. Where it's sort of shoved down your throat, isn't it really? So yeah. Every, you know, every episode's got at least one mention. It was like the whole... Um, I mean, we haven't sort of finished our Series 2 retrospective yet, but the whole Torchwood thing, every episode had the mention of Torchwood in it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, but, that was... But this is, this is not. I mean, and, and, and the stories, as far as we're aware, are not dependent on the story arc as no, such. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so. it's... Now, um, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing how this pans out, but we've, we haven't got long to wait, have we? Um... I mean, actually, one of the other things, getting back to the, the careworn doctor and whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. It is just the excitement when he gets out and realise like, to, the, to the to the smaller TARDIS, and he's, you could see like I'm excited and whatever. Is it? Is it? Is it just give me this one something I don't. You know, one time I don't know what's yeah. going on. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it well, was, that was good. It was good to see that again. Um, actually, there's there's one other bit I didn't quite like. Actually, and that was the way the Doctor dealt with the boneless. He just waved his sonic screwdriver at them. Because um, he said, I've figured out how to send you back to your universe. And some of you might make it, some of you might not. And then Clara tosses him the sonic screwdriver and off they go. But that was more, I think, him working the TARDIS. I think he'd already set it up in the TARDIS. He was just using the sonic screwdriver as a remote control from the TARDIS. Well, I, I just took that as, because they couldn't get through, so I just thought some force field generated by the TARDIS they couldn't get through. But that pushes them back. It pushed them back, but I couldn't. You didn't see the doctor do anything. That, it, to me, it just looked like he just waved his, he waved the magic wand, really, and but, off they but, went. But no, I think I think on that it is meant to be that he's actually set up the TARDIS to do that, and then he all he's all he's doing is using the sonic screwdriver as a remote control to fire what is the, in the TARDIS. Maybe TARDIS. It didn't seem that Sorry. way. It didn't seem that way to me. But it just seems a bit a bit of a, a you know a magic ending, really. But. Uh, but talk of the TARDIS, um, I mean, I, I love the idea of the fact that the whole thing was small. It really was small on the outside. And what was it, the Doctor? Because when um, Riggsy 
looks like, oh, it's bigger on the inside, and there was that phrase, be more apt, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so um, I, I like that. But the whole thing of the, the turret's going to siege mode. Yeah, and when she first picks it up, I must admit, my first thought was, is that the, is, it looks like the Pandorica. Yes, a lot of other people mentioned it. Actually, my first thought was, it looks like the, the Lament configuration from Hellraiser. But <laughs> I'm back to Hellraiser again. Yeah, well, as, as we've already discussed, I've not seen not this. Not seen so that, that, no. that wouldn't be in my thoughts. You must have seen, uh, you must have seen the, the little box from Hellraiser, the little little cube that they, they basically, it's a puzzle box. Yeah. Yeah, basically that's all open to summon all the demons. So anyway, yeah. When I first saw but, it, I thought it, it's, oh, it, it reminded me of that. But but yeah, it, um, it, it does. Part of me actually like, then, for, for, for the few seconds before you realise it's just a box with Gallifreyan writing on it, mm. was the fact that you're thinking, well, I suppose that's logical. If the, if the Doctor's trapped inside, the TARDIS may form itself into a Pandorica. It could do, couldn't it? Yeah. And I was actually thinking to myself, oh, that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a good idea. And then realised, actually, that's not the idea at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so, trapped you inside you the Pandora. start writing your own script. Yeah, oh, indeed, right, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, I loved, um, I loved, I loved that. It was just, a, it, again, it was just a weird little thing. It's something that they've never shown before in, the t- in, in Doctor Who. And it's, it's adding to the, to the mythology of the programme. Yeah. It really is, and I, I just, I just loved it. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard many detractors about this particular story yet. I must admit, I haven't sort of paid too much attention to it. I've heard the, as I said, I've heard the odd little whinge, but um, I think this one has gone down rather well. Um, but as we said in the news, this got overnights of four point five five million. But after we sort of finished the news um, section, we've just sort of realised or found out that it's got this episode is the lowest overnight rating for the show since The Hungry Earth back in two thousand and ten. And apparently it's also the second lowest rating since the show returned in 2005. Yeah. Which which, which I find really surprising. I really am yeah. quite surprised by those overnight viewing figures because I thought this was a, a, a excellent, excellent story. I well, really it's, did. It's not, I mean, the overnight viewing figures are not ever going to be judged on what this story's like because people obviously don't know when they decide not to watch it. They don't mm. know what it's going to be. Yeah. It's more the fact of, 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 of why they people have turned off after last week's. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good one. Very bizarre. Um, but anyway, on to the, the supporting cast. Uh, now, I went the, sort of, the big sort of, I think the people most know was Christopher Fairbank uh, as Fenton. Uh, I think... For, I think people of our age most know, probably know him best as Moxie from our V-Design pair. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought he was sort of particularly a, a nasty character. And usually in these sort of stories, they don't live to the end. No. And he did. And there was absolutely no redemption for him whatsoever, was that he was still a nasty yeah. piece of work. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't that having come through that, he's realised that all life is sacred and... No, everybody should be work together to to say you know. No, it's not that. That's that's good. That's sorted out. Because yeah, what was his what was his um... wheat from the chuff? Wasn't it? it was it was the um... wheat from the chuff? <laughs> the chaff, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, chuff is uh, an expression my granddad used to use, which I won't yes. go into on this podcast. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It saying that sort of it was only the sort of the kindling got destroyed. It was the, the, the trees. Strong oaks. The strong, strong oaks. Strong, strong trees, trees survive. Yeah. It's allowed the strong trees to survive. And it was actually the doctor. He was the one who was taking the, the moral high ground at the end, saying they, they weren't kindling. They were they were people who died. Yeah. And he was sort of, oh, no, they were just community service scum. 
Yeah. As I said, there was no redemption for him whatsoever. And what the doctor said, well, mate, maybe the, the wrong people died. died. Yeah, that, that, I thought that was actually quite, um, I don't, actually, have we, nothing, again, I'm bringing up Voyage of the Damned because you had that, um, that character in, in that who was sort of trying to save his own skin all the way through. And he made it, didn't he, after everyone else died, really? Yeah. Do, do you remember the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a similar, similar sort of thing again, really. But yeah, it was, um, and again, it sort of flipped the whole Doctor's attitude on its head as well. So we got, it, was, it is sort of flip-flopping between the Doctor being cold and detached to the Doctor being sort of the caring, sharing Doctor again. We are getting that. I mean, we're, we're, we are going to be getting a sort of almost that Clara and him will meet somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Mm, possibly. Possibly. But uh, now I thought the actual sort of standout person in the supporting cast was the character of Riggsy by, by, by um, Joven Wade. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Actually, um, I think they usually sort of, when it comes to sort of youth acting, they tend to try and put a lot of slang in it to try and make it sound like, yes, we're really hip and we're down with the kids. But no, it was just sort of played very, very nicely, I thought. And they didn't sort of. This is actually another script by Jamie Matheson, who wrote last week's one as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and gave him a, a, a reasonable sense of there was, you know, he wasn't just the stupid. Youth. Companion to the yeah. to the companion was he? Yeah. I mean, he was sort of working it out. Like when Clara starts saying about the people in the underpass, yeah, he realizes immediately what she's what, what she's saying. saying. Yeah, I thought he was he was a, it made a change to have to have someone you know like that. I know the rest of the cast uh, weren't exactly sort of. Well, they actually they were fairly two dimensional, funnily enough. But um, but no, I thought he was I mean, well, really actually, good. Actually, most of them hardly, hardly got in, even introduced, did they? You, know, you sort of know their numbers rather than their. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who that's they what, are? Yeah, but uh, no, I thought it was it was really really good. I I absolutely loved this episode. I really did. Uh, I think next week's worries me a little bit more because it's children. Yes, child actors. Mm. I'm a, lot, a little bit concerned about that, but uh, you know. This series hasn't really let us down, to be honest, no. as far as I'm and concerned. Getting, going back to, to this, actually, the one point where it was going through, and I was thinking, oh, are we going to get Because we've sort of said we haven't really had a bad monster or alien. It's all been, you know, sort of, are they misunderstood or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. Through this, and you thought, oh, are we going to have this again with the Doctor saying, oh, you know, perhaps they've been trying to communicate and we haven't listened and all that. Yeah. And then actually... You, and it starts to go down that road, doesn't it? He goes, oh, perhaps they're just misunderstood and all this. And you think, oh, is this going to be the resolution to it now? But so pleased, actually. And they just turn around and go, no, you are monsters. Yes. <laughs> I did like that. I did like that. I just like the fact that the... And actually, this Doctor was willing to give him a chance, wasn't he? Yeah. He it, was, to see, it was the... Maybe they're not trying to... Maybe they're not hunting. They don't realise they're hunting. Maybe they, they, this is... And Clara says, well, this is one big misunderstanding. Yeah. And I, I, I like the fact that the Doctor was sort of... Th- thinking they weren't monsters and come the end I think he was almost sort of like a little bit disappointed that they were just monsters yeah and he had to do what he had to do at the end was which was to, to beat them yeah so I, yeah. I, I, and I, it was just I want it on the record almost even was saying I want it on the record that I've tried to yeah, I've tried to so help you try to communicate with you yeah and you, yeah resolution that's good for everybody but no you if you you want to act like monsters then I'll treat you like monsters yeah and I did like that I really did like that, but uh, 
But yeah, I, I think I've, I've said it on a say, really. I, I just really liked it. It was great. Yeah. It was really, really great. So do you, do you want to add anything else to that, Paul? No, not really. I mean, yeah, like I say, I, it, it is a good episode, I think. It's just, I'm, I'm just not quite sure why I'm not as thrilled by it as, as I feel I should be, actually. That's, that's, the, that's the, the strange thing. Well, this is, this is the, I think, um, the way theme, because this was actually the first script put in by Jamie Matheson, and I think on the basis of this, he was asked to submit another one, which yeah. ended up being Mummy on the, on the Orient Express. Yeah. So it's a bit like the Neil Cross thing again, isn't it? Yeah. To a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, so he's asked to sort of submit a, a second one based on the, you know, based on his first one. Now, unfortunately, his first his first one was Hyde, and his second one was uh, The Rings of Ackerton, so... <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Slightly, yeah. Slightly different results this time, because I think, I think Jamie Matheson has, has put in two really, really good episodes here. I really do. Although, you know, this one you'd have thought would have been the... You could, you could imagine this one was the first one because this one was the one that was going to take up quite a lot of ideas. Mm. As good and as much as I like Mummy on the Orient Express, it was reasonably formulaic in it its was. And outcome. Appa- and so apparently- you, could imagine, you could imagine that one you could sort of write. Once you've got the basic ideas, mm. it wouldn't be necessarily that hard. Probably not. I'll say that hard to write, yeah, because I'd knock one off tomorrow if I need. If I had the script there, if, if you put your mind to it, I'm to sure it, you yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant to sound like it, but, but you know, in terms of that, you're not trying to break new ground with that. Hmm. Um, to to give Neil Cross's due, I would say that yeah, the Rings of Akatan was a slightly odder story to have to write if you're putting it in if you if you're against the time limit. Yes, indeed, it was a bit weird, and I think also considering. Mummy on the Orient Express was also the cheap episode of the yeah. series as well, and it certainly didn't look it. No, put it that way, it certainly didn't look it. Uh, but I, I think I please, I let's have some more Jamie Matheson back in future series because I think he, he's been brilliant. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Two really good, solid stories to my to my mind. Really yeah. is. Okay, are we done? I think so. Good, good. You know, I really am loving this series of Doctor Who because I, I, I know I was a little bit. I've only been sort of dismissive of one story so far, which I think for for us is an absolute record on this podcast. Yeah, to actually enjoy a series all the way through, it, 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 that's some, that's no mean feat for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's. There's been times when we both either disliked or liked, but it's not. Yeah, to get this far with neither of us really. Having got fed up with the series, so no, far. indeed, indeed, nothing sort of you know worn us down or anything like that. So no, this is good. This is good stuff. Good stuff. So let's hope next week's in the forest of the night has a similar effect on us. Yes, let's, let's hope him because I'd, I'd like it to uh, like it to be so. But also next week is uh, episode ten. That means we've only got two more episodes left after next week. Well, we've got the two-parter, haven't we? We have, Next yes. week, and then we've got the two-parter. So yeah. we've only probably got, effectively, two more stories. Yes, indeed. Uh, I can't believe it's over already. No. It's it's been a quick run. It's been a quick run. But anyway, let's let's save the next three weeks, anyway. Let's yeah. save the next three weeks till we, till we wait till Christmas for the next one. Okay, then, folks. So that is it for this week. So... We'll be back next week with our review of In In the Forest of the Night. So it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye.
listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who podcast alliance. Thank you.